0: My name is uh, Andrew Mook. I'm the guy who yells out cider donuts in the middle of service. Uh, I'm, dude, cider donuts. Amen. I'm not gonna get any amens for the sermon, but I'll get some amens for cider donuts. Um, I'm the pastor here, and I just want to welcome you again for the third time uh, this morning, especially if you're new. Uh, We recognize in a city like Providence, especially, not a lot of folks are just like jumping from church to church. Uh, We recognize that, you know, if the stats are true, there actually aren't a whole lot of folks um, who, who identify themselves first and foremost as Christians that... Um, there, whether it's a generational shift or just a lot of what we see in New England cities, uh, it's a, it's a big deal for a lot of you who've been, you know, maybe dragged here by a friend or lovingly encouraged or bribed by someone to actually show up on a Sunday morning. Um, and I want to, I want to just be clear with you with this, that there are a lot of folks who are across the spectrum when it comes to faith. There are folks here who uh, I have a couple friends who sit always over here on this side uh, who, are, who are just not Christians. They're like totally like, yeah, we just come. We're, we're not quite sure about the whole God thing. I'm just trying to make sense of all this. And, and they just love to come and be here and to learn. And, uh, and, and we want to provide an environment. Part of the reason why years ago we, we named our church Sanctuary was to provide a safe and sacred place, a place for people to explore truth a place where we can get uh, past all the divisions and all the messiness that so often just get swirled around our belief systems and what's politically correct and what's not and what's just and what's not and actually have a place where we can learn to walk the way of Jesus where we can share what we understand as God's grace and allow that to transform us all that said for those of you who are coming from a church or maybe you just moved to the area or you're a college student just checking out the church for the first time welcome we are a good old-fashioned bible church We just love the scripture. It's why we invite you to stand and read the word and for us to just understand what it means to walk the way of Jesus and be transformed by his grace. And for all of you who are family and are here every Sunday, I love this. I love seeing you. Um, I had a conversation today, yesterday, uh, with a friend of mine. uh, And she was telling me on the phone, she was saying, uh, you know how Andrew, you always say, you know, it'd be really good. You know, you got to make sure you're getting in the Word and getting in Scripture. And and uh, so uh, I, I have been mentioning a number of times you can get through the Book of Mark um, on your uh, if you have the U version app. It's just a Bible app for those of you who are familiar with it. And there's like an audio version. Uh, and this person mentioned that on the way home is actually the Book of John. Uh, she was just a, lot, a long ride back from where she was coming from, and put the the, uh, the thing on, and and in uh, this excitable tone, that is so my friend. She just goes. Do you, do you know the kind of stuff that Jesus says? Like, yeah. And, and I want to preface this. My friend has been a follower of Jesus for a long time. Like, she leads ministries in our church. You know what I mean? Like, this isn't like a, a put down. This is like a here's somebody who, who has been walking with Jesus for a while. And just upon a two hour, whatever it is, car ride, putting this uh, audio on and hearing someone read the book of John, which, for those of you who are new, is just an account of the life of Jesus. She's like, oh my gosh, like this is crazy, and he does this, and I never realized how like completely, excuse my French here, but just badass Jesus is. You know, like he's just amazing, and he does this and that, and I just never, I never understood that, or I never like saw it that way, or, or that's so inspiring. Uh, a couple of friends of mine recently uh, who are here today, uh, they were out for, uh, for some cigars. Look, I've sworn and I'm mentioning cigars all within 30 seconds my conservative friends stay with us um uh, they went out for cigars the other day and uh i get this excitable story the next day from one of them dude you're not gonna believe what happened yeah so we had a they like had music practice before and then they went and they were like dude we just like we're praying like god would just do something and they're just going out to like hang out like just before bed you know like grab a cigar and then they're gonna go home and sure enough, this unbelievable spiritual conversation opens up where they're able to share their faith and engage these, a bunch of guys who were there who were going through all this life transition and just speak and preach the name of Jesus to them. Like just by just saying, "Guy, guy, would you open up an opportunity for, for that to happen? I told a story uh, the first week of my wife, uh, who was just feeling like, man, making sense of where the vision and mission is in, in kind of a, a work situation that she was not loving at the moment. And, uh. And just a simple prayer the night before of like, God, where, like I just want to be aware of where you're moving. And this unbelievable opportunity happened where she ended up having like a dream in the middle of the night about this friend and woke up and thought, well, should I email them and let them know about the dream? That's kind of weird. Okay, I'll go ahead and do it. And I emailed them. And then all of a sudden she got this like marathon of an email back saying, oh my gosh, you have no idea how that encourages me and changes this. I never thought about this. And and it was just one of these moments. I would like to say that all three of those stories, those quick things I just mentioned, all three of those people are pretty sane. They're pretty mature. If you met them in a coffee shop, you would think they were relatively normal, as normal as anybody is in this church. <laughs> I say that in that um, the, the one of the first titles of the sermon I was gonna give, I have about 18 titles today, Um, was that what you learned in Sunday school is still true. And I say that with a giant caveat because some of you may have come from really destructive churches. (laughs) I'll just take that statement back. But so many of the basic things, so if you're brand new to church, just listen in for a moment. A lot of times when people come uh, to, to, to Jesus, right, they have a moment. Uh, if you've ever read the story of Dr. King or, or Mother Teresa or Dorothy Sayers, when you read about the story and the, and the moment in which they were like, yeah, I want to follow this person. I want to follow Jesus because I believe some things beyond just that he was a good teacher. I want to trust that uh, by the grace of God, like I am loved and saved and my sins don't count against me and I'm set free to walk the way that I was called to live. When people have those kinds of moments, often the next thing that gets told to them is you should read your Bible. You could learn more about the way of Jesus, more about the story of the text, right? I got to peek in for a moment to the 101 class that meets every other week. They're exploring the story of God. So we have these moments right, where, where, where then people come up to us and they'll go, all right, um, this is so amazing that you've said yes to Jesus, that you've like, turned, you've repented, you've, you, you want to follow him. You should read your scripture. Also, also, you should pray. You should pray because it's crazy. God will answer your prayers. Like, he'll actually start to talk to you. You have all these walls up that you don't realize that just create a lot of static. There's so much noise, visual and otherwise, and when those things start to come down, Oh, man, it gets crazy. And, and, and then, you know what? You should start talking about your faith to people. Not, not, not just out of some, like, we got to get everybody into the ship, like, weird manipulative thing. Like, you'll notice that you'll just want to love people. Like, you should go and you should care for the poor and the oppressed. You should advocate for them because that's what Jesus, you should be generous. Our God is inerrantly generous, so you should go be generous. These are the kinds of things. They tell you to go do that stuff. Now, for some of you, again, if you're brand new to church, just listen in. For some of us as Christians, um, we, uh, we kind of have this view of, well, man, it takes a long time. Especially those who have been walking with Jesus for a long time. right? Oh, it just takes a long time for, you know, like, sanctification, man, it takes time. Like, the road is long. The road is long. And it's true. The road is long. Right, but yeah, you know, I just—I've been, you know, I've been t- just struggling. I just want—I want to go deeper. I've been saying that for ten years. I really want to connect with the church, but I don't take any initiative of my own. Like, you know, like we—we we have this kind of um, this moment for some, for some of us where we look at what's about to happen today. By the way, this giant tan tub is—we're gonna have some baptisms today. Amen. When these people get into this tub and proclaim, we go, oh man, yeah, I remember what that was. It's almost like, like the innocence of youth. Like, oh yeah, yeah, I know. People will just tell you go pray and get fired up. And, and we often get fired up for a moment while those folks are doing that and then we kind of slip back into what can often be uh, an apathetic or even worse, like a despondent posture. All the stuff that you learned in Sunday school or all the stuff that you may have picked up on when you first came to Christ, like, it's incredible. If you do that stuff, like, stuff happens. In fact, what so often happens is if you get, um, I, this isn't like a rule, but I have found if you get, like, really super educated really quick, like, oh, I just came to Christ, I'm going to go to a seminary, I'm going to take a really in-depth class, I'm going to start to read these giant books, which I am, like, a hardcore reader. This is not an anti-intellectual pitch I'm about to give. Like, I, I want, you should be exploring the faith and learning about your faith. But that said, so often we think our way out of obedience. So often we justify, well, it's a little more nuanced than that. It's like, no, no, reading your scripture and learning about Jesus and like building a great prayer life and making sure you have regular rhythms in your life and in your family where you serve together, that's not complicated or gray. And I mention all that because so often, so often when it comes to sharing our faith or talking about what's going on inside of us, For all the different obstacles that could be out there, it is my understanding that the biggest one is that people are not smoking what they're selling. They're just not. Any ex-drug people I just caused to stumble? We're so often, we're not. This isn't actually, you're put in the awkward position of having to talk about or feel forced to share about something that you don't believe yourself. You can actually have a relationship with God. You can actually read the Bible, and it will unlock incredible things about who Jesus is and inform and enlighten you to a level that you, will not, you can't comprehend at the current place that you're at. When you pray, God will answer. I don't know how many of you were caught up in this. Probably not many of you, but there's a book that came out recently about um, talking about, you know, the spiritual gifts really aren't, like, real um, you know, really there's like a, they, they kind of ceased at this particular moment in history. It's a long conversation basically. like God doesn't really heal that way anymore. Or prophecy doesn't really look like you think it does. Or you know, when you pray to God, it's kind of a different sort of thing than you think. It, it, I don't need to fill you in on the whole backstory, but it was funny when that whole thing happened, my knee-jerk response was, no, let me theologically argue the other way. It was like, no, because I experienced that yesterday. Like when we actually begin to walk and practice the way of Jesus, we recognize something that is unlocked in us. We recognize walls that come down between us and God. I want to read this quote to you and then zero in on something as we talk for a moment about practicing the way of Jesus, about these simple things that we learn after maybe you've come to Christ. And if you've never said yes to Jesus, or again, you're here as, as a... As a uh, as someone who is wherever you're at on the spectrum, I really encourage you, like not that you have a choice really, but listen in to this in a way of like, how do those Christians understand what it means to walk with Jesus? What do they understand about that? Like, Let this be just an enlightening experience hopefully for you. Thomas Merton says this, the quote's on the screen. If you want to identify me, so if you want to know about who I am as a person, ask me not where I live, or what I like to eat, or how I comb my hair, but ask me what I am living for in detail, and ask me what I think is keeping me from living fully the thing I want to live for. Between those two answers, you can determine the identity of a person. The better the answer they have, the more of a person they are. Next slide, I wanna zoom in on this. Ask me what I am living for in detail. And ask me what I think is keeping me from living fully the thing I want to live for. How you live. This is going to be like the most Captain Obvious thing I say all morning. How you live is what you really believe. And everything else is just talk. Everything else is just talk. In regards to being a Christian, I want to have that quote like centered on. Uh, In the book, Kingdom Ethics, the writer says this. We believe that Jesus offered not hard sayings or high ideals, but concrete ways to practice God's will and be delivered from the bondage of sin. In other words, Jesus taught his followers how to participate in God's reign, like how to participate in the way of heaven that we as Christians believe is here now. He taught what the kingdom is like, what its characteristics are, and therefore what kinds of practices are done by those who participate in it, and are ready for it. So obeying Jesus through like tangible practices is central to what it means to be transformed. Practices, like daily, weekly rhythms are central to what it means to follow Jesus. Jesus says this, one of the most uncomfortable quotes ever. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, which is a Hebrew way of like putting an exclamation point by it. Why do you call me Lord, but do not do what I say? Right? This is Gandhi's biggest critique of the Christian experience. Here's somebody who was so overwhelmed, Gandhi, by the teachings of Jesus, that it literally was the primary informant as to how he dealt with the British Empire. His entire nonviolent like action, all the great stuff that comes out of Gandhi in regards to nonviolent action towards the British Empire, was directly informed, he says, by the teachings of Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount and through Leo Tolstoy, who was also a Christian. And he says, surely Jesus had to have been divine, but had such a hard time fully accepting Christianity because when he looked around, he said, there's a whole bunch of people talking a really big game and are so not anywhere close to actually walking that way. And he wasn't mad that they hadn't achieved it. He was mad that they didn't recognize their own hypocrisy. James 1:22 to 25. Do not merely listen to the words, so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Right, this is the perspective where we don't actually begin to live out the way of Jesus. We don't actually begin to walk in that way. You have the opportunity to hear God all the time. I, I love saying like just point blank, simple youth group stuff like this. Like you, you do To like learn what it means in the place that you are at to walk with Jesus. And it's not just, as we talked last week, it's not just about information, but to step in to these kinds of practices on a regular basis. Last quote, almost last quote. And this will, if you can read along with this all, this will pretty much give you a strong punch right about here. Almost every aspect of modern Christianity assumes that the faith is first and foremost a set of ideas to be believed. That's it. Sure, we encourage some marginal action on the side, but that's not truly important. Not central. Our worship is primarily about explaining and singing ideas. Our schools focus on transferring ideas. Our evangelism spreads ideas. Our apologetic, which is like explanation, tries to persuade others of ideas. Community means chatting with people who share our ideas. Our entry into heaven requires holding the right ideas in our heads. In centuries past, this strange obsession with ideas simply went by the name of Gnosticism, the ancient heresy that ideas and intellect are more important than bodies and people and actually doing something. We even have a safe word, approved, a safe, approved word to hide our new Gnosticism. It's called worldview. If you followed any of that, I hope you just feel deeply convicted and want to go home. (laughs) How true is this? When I first read, this is from a book called Dismissing Jesus. I first read it, and I thought, oh my gosh, we need to reorganize so many things that we're doing in our church. It can't just be about ideas. Because when it's just about ideas, we talk ourselves into a Christian worldview, and we're spent having moments where when we are asked about why are you a Christian, we have to defend a bunch of stuff that we're not experiencing and living into. We're not having moments where we're driving home in the car, and we put on just the book of John with an awkward British accent, and we're like blown away. By the things that Jesus has for us, we're not going and having cigars, and before we walk into the pub, we're not praying, "Hey God, open up the doors for us to like have an opportunity to share God's love as we like rejoice in the beauty of a Connecticut rapper." Okay, never mind. <laughs> I got really excited for a minute. Practices absolutely vital, and what this is is not about obedience. It's not about just getting people to behave. In fact, I don't have time to get into it because we have some baptisms to get to. 2 Corinthians 3 talks about the role of the pastor. And basically it comes down to this. I think the quote's on the screen. My job even as a leader is not about fixing you or like pushing obedience or getting you to serve more. Those are just like afterthoughts. It's helping you release your new nature. If you're a Christian, our belief is that you intuitively now in some mysterious way, despite how distracted you may feel, know God. That your sins do not count against you. Like literally you've been forgiven and set free. You need to just accept the fact, own the fact what Jesus did, it's already true. You need to trust and then live into a new identity, a new last name, a new core nature. You cannot do that. Paul says you can keep living back as the old person does. But then my job or a leader's job or why you do any of these practices is to release this new nature. To release what this new thing that's happening inside of you unleashing the work that God has done and is doing in you so a few things what practices do and when I'm talking about practices again serving the poor fasting praying like going out of your way to serve someone on an intentional regular basis doing things in a secret fashion so no one actually knows getting in the word regularly having regular times of prayer so a couple things that practices do one practices unleash God's presence Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Practice unleashes in some mysterious way God's presence. I don't have time to drill down into these. I just wanna kind of fire a few at you. Two, practices bring intimacy. John 14, 21, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and will call to them and make our home with them. There's intimacy somehow tied in to practicing the way of Jesus. Three, practice unlocks blessing. How many charismatics came from a charismatic church? Like gold dust from the ceiling. Someone said, if you pray, you'll be blessed and you'll get that Mercedes. Anyone come from that environment? Great, I don't have to explain anything about that, what proper blessing is. Blessing, someone's like, I'm not raising my hand now. <laughs> James 1:25. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Blessing in scripture is whole life. That God is with you, he walks with you, that everything is in its right place. God is saying, like, my favor, man, is on you. That looks like all sorts of different things. Before I go any further, for some of you who are, like, about to walk out the door because you're like, are you talking about works? Like, just earning your way? if I haven't said this clearly already, God is not opposed to effort. God is opposed to earning. God is never opposed. You would have to rip out a mighty chunk of your Bible if you thought God was opposed to effort. He's not opposed to effort. He's opposed to earning. You're not earning anything. I grew up in an environment, I've mentioned this often, where I felt loved. I don't even remember what it was to not feel unconditional love. It was an unbelievable blessing. I never, ever, ever had to question my dad or mom's love for me. I don't. I cannot remember any time. And so when it came to wanting to serve, and and my dad in particular, he was this like medium. He is this medium-tempered man, where it's like when you get in trouble, he's like not the parent who yells. Anyone have the parent who doesn't need to yell? They just give you the look, right? You like you know you just did something awful, and he'll just lean. Like my mom's screaming incoherently about like how bad, and and know like I'm acting today. And that's what I inherited, sadly, Irish blood. But my dad, he would just lean in and look at me and just go. And you're just like, no,
1: I'm sorry for everything I've ever done.
0: You know, you just lose it. That's what my dad was like. So for me, when it came time to want to like, when it came time to want to walk the way of my father, because there's so many things I wanted to be like my dad in. There's so many things that I, I wanted to have his kind of way about him. I just was enamored so often with my father. And in those moments, it was never about earning. I knew I had his love. That's what actually gave me the freedom to go out and maybe fail. I didn't worry about tripping up. I wanted to just, I wanted to just please him because I trusted so much of his word. God's not opposed to effort, only earning. Other things, practices reveal more of God through others, This is a big one. Practices reveal more of God through others. When we practice the way of Jesus, 1 John 4, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one's ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Crazy. Practices make the love, these are all like individual sermons in and of themselves, but last one. Practices make the love of Jesus tangible. 1 John 3 also, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. If anyone has a material possession and sees a brother or sister in need but does not have pity on them, and that's not pitying them, that's like caring for them. uh, How can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech but with actions and in truth, truth. The early church... Devoted themselves to practicing the way of Jesus in community. Pursuing the practices opens up our heart to the God who's been there all along. It makes us aware of his grace and love that met us first. God is the first mover. God has rescued us. It is because of what God has done. Let's not confuse that. I want to make my Calvinist brothers in the room a little more like feel safe. Like It is God who is the first mover. It is God's grace that has acted first. We simply respond just in saying yes to what God has done. You don't have to earn anything. You are freed up to strive without fear because you do not have to worry about your identity. When someone told you, when you first said yes to Jesus, the things that they told you about reading the scripture, about beginning to practice the way of Jesus, those things are true Beginning to walk in the light of God who loves you and gives you these practices is to step into the most brilliant, abundant life, the life of the ages. Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life to the full. And that life is activated and it overflows when we begin to practice the way of Jesus, when we begin to learn with our feet. Don't ever settle for your life that limits your potential to serve love and do justice and proclaim Jesus. You can know him, you can go deeper, you can step into the life of Jesus now. You don't have to keep waiting. You don't have to keep waiting. We talk a big game about caring and cultivating the culture of our city, about being a machine that blesses this city. That if we if we didn't exist tomorrow, if all of us just wiped out this church, that the city would miss us. I don't mean like the mayor's office, although that may be too. But I, I, I mean just the people in our city would miss the blessing, the love that outflows out of this community. But that has to start with us. That can't just be a bunch of like worldview. That can't just be a bunch of ideas that we like cognitively ascend to and not being people that step into the life and practice of Jesus we cannot settle for a vision of life that limits the potential that God has for us. We cannot. And it's sometimes, I want to say this. What's funny, and this helps bring clarity to all this for me. It's funny uh, that sometimes people like me or Adam or Jason, like people who are up front, pastors in particular, we can actually get in the way of this. We can strangely mess this up. Like this growing in him and beginning to live out these practices and actually having intimacy with the God of the universe. And Eugene Peterson is the one who kind of opened this thought up to me. He says that most pastoral work erodes prayer. He says this, quote, people are not comfortable with God in their lives. They prefer something less awesome and more informal. Something, in fact, like the pastor. Reassuring, accessible, and easygoing. People would rather talk to the pastor than to God. So often, we actually get in the, in the way where we kind of go to church and it's spiritual goods and services where we engage and, and uh, I, I, I feel better. I had this really big question about this issue and then the pastor helped solve it so I feel better about my faith. All the while, that has nothing to do with your relationship directly with God. We're going to have a baptism today people whose lives have been transformed. And something I will tell them over the next month as we get coffee, as we talk about what discipleship looks like, is that you don't need to walk a long, slow road to maturity. You don't. It will be a long, slow road to maturity. That's just like part of the game. But that doesn't need to be like your entry point. Like, all right, well, you know, maybe someday I'll really be able to hear the voice of God. No, God says like now. Now. Part of the reason, I was going to say this later, I'm going to say this now. Part of the reason, like with baptism, in some traditions, um, they get really, really anxious about as soon as someone says yes to Christ, we got to get them in the water quick. Right? It says in Acts, why wait? Why do you wait? Just be baptized. So regardless of your theology or whether you have no idea what I'm talking about at all right now, the, the heart in some way, besides just that's their reading of the text, is that why wouldn't you acknowledge the fact that God's grace is within you, regardless of the information that you have, you can begin to live this out now. Let's make this public declaration of what God has done, not out of any earning of your own, and let's get into the water and let's go. When they get out of the water and we meet for coffee, even those who've been walking with Jesus for a while, go, let's go. To my leaders, I need to do better, let's go. To the brand new person who maybe today, for the first time, is gonna say yes to Jesus, let's begin to walk in the way of life. Why do you wait? Don't wait. There's actually a better life for you. Like actually, it is the best possible way to live. It will unlock so much freedom and love and compassion and generosity in your heart. And even when it's hard and even when you mess it up 18 times over times 18, it is amazing. Because it's true. Because of all the different ways that we can have interesting intellectual conversations about what about all faiths and what about this and what about this. Most people that I have those conversations with have actually never began to step into the way of Jesus. G.K. Chesterton famously said, uh, it's not that Christianity has been tried and found lacking. It's just that it hasn't been tried. People haven't stepped into the relationship. It's sort of like we say yes on our wedding day, like to Jesus, like, let's do this. And then we never live in the same house or talk to them again. Technically, you're married. Yep. You're going to go to heaven after you die. Like, yeah. So, in light of all that, I want to talk about stones, and then I want to talk about duct tape. natural transitions here. So, stones. In the ancient scripture, how many of you have been out to the beach and you see like somebody who's like stacked up a bunch of stones? Right? Like there's like a one stone there, like all stacked up, and you don't know how they got that little pebble on the top. You guys know what I'm talking about? Or like ancient pictures from like history. You know, you you see like the stacks. Sometimes they're like really, really big. Um, This is an old pagan practice. And there's a few examples of them in scripture. Genesis 28 uh, and 35, Jacob sets up a stone pillar uh, in order to remember his powerful dream in which God had reaffirmed like his promises. So the Jews, just like the pagan culture, had adopted this practice of when something crazy would happen, they would just build stones. They would like stack it up. They would make a monument, an Ebenezer They would stack the stones and they would, and so when people would walk by, they'd be like, What's going on there? It was was a place to remember. Moses in Exodus 24, Moses built 12 standing stones at the foot of Mount Sinai after receiving the Ten Commandments. Epic moment in Christian history, Moses just some stones. It's like, let's do this. The (laughs) stones, let's do this. It's exactly how Moses talked. The Israelites in Joshua 4 erected standing stones to remember their miraculous crossing of the Jordan River. Epic moment. They're like, guys, you see that? It's amazing. High fives around, next move. Stones. Someone get some stones. <laughs> right? We laugh, because why? We have a propensity to forget. Right? I have this thing. I think I've shared this with you all before, but I'll share it again. I do this thing with my wife where I put in my calendar. Also, uh, Corey just had a pretty epic transition in, in her life recently and so we just mark the time just put it in the phone and we have it go off a year from now it's like our little stone ebenezer so a year from like we i know one's coming up actually this week when she had gotten this like crazy promotion at a time where we were financially strapped and this promotion like came out of nowhere so that's gonna go off i think on thursday and we just like oh whoa we got, let's just thank god for that and then i reset it to go off again a year from now sometimes it's like a big thing we're like oh we gotta go out for dinner or you know we we gotta we gotta open a bottle of wine for this. This is epic. I forgot about this. Build monuments. This is what the Jews did. Joshua 24, just last example. Joshua built a standing stone when the covenant was renewed at Shechem. This is just an epic moment in Christian history. They were st- or Jewish history. Sacred stones, geezer stones, all different combinations. Anyway, for all the like massive like big stone pillars that would be built to the very very small ones, um, the masaba was another way so It was to set up. They would go and do this. So, um, I have some stones really quick. Where's Sarah? Yeah. Come here, Sarah. Alright. Oh wow. We wrecked this pew pretty bad. <laughs> There's one of those uh centipede things underneath. You know what I'm talking about? The little ones? That you're like, I know that thing's harmless, but good Lord, i I feel like it's gonna crawl into my ear and then control my mind. Like <laughs> No one else has that fear? <laughs> you guys are weird. Yeah. Yeah, so this is Sarah. And so we build stones, and then we would hear stories about what, like, little things that God had did. Okay, so can you stand by the stone and just, uh, in light of you coming to Christ, um, there was something pretty epic, one particular thing that happened. Um, you want to share that? Yeah, sure.
1: Uh, I'll try to be quick. Um, so I'm a senior at URI, and... Uh, It's pretty great, it's it's terrifying and I don't want to graduate, but that's beside the point. Um, So by my junior year of high school, I had gotten stuck in an emotionally abusive and physically coercive relationship that lasted about a year and a half. Uh, So I got into college and by my spring semester, I had all but self-destructed, I was miserable and broken and hurting, and every form of wounded you could possibly think of, I was that. And I wrote notes because I knew I'd forget what I was trying to say, even though it's part of my life. Right. (sighs) Gosh. So this person was able to feed me lies about myself, about my friends, about God. And that ultimately uh, isolated me from myself and my friends and my family and my God. And it was devastating. It was horrible. But um, I found... I mean, I could... like web together the entire ways that God has worked in my life and and brought me to where I am and that would be testimony enough but I don't need to do that that there's everyone has that um but for me I when someone can manage to to break your life down in a way that is so detrimental that it fundamentally changes who you are that's kind of grounds to hate them perhaps or or grounds enough to to want to wish them ill and wish them the worst and wish th- and hope that they fail at everything they possibly try. And guess what I did? I did, I hoped that upon that person and that didn't feel good. That actually didn't make me feel good at all. Um, in fact, it, it only brought me deeper into the pit that I found myself in. And that, um, well, there's a group on campus called InterVarsity and uh, they're, yes, shameless plug, but they're the most amazing people I've ever met and through them, I learned about Jesus. I learned about, um, God in the most tangible way possible. I learned that Jesus was not a, a creature wanting me to be perfect before I came to him, but but an entity, a person, a, a spirit dwelling among us who wants us to be loved and to forgive. I, there's just so many different ways to word this, but long story short, I managed to forgive this person who did everything to be unforgiven, but there's a lot of stuff that I managed to do to be unforgiven too, and Gosh, I'm I'm so sorry. I just I had like all these eloquent wordings, but it just I forgave him, and then I felt free. And then it wasn't it wasn't just like the end. Now I'm free from this. It was like then I managed to be able to say something else that like I love him. Not like whoa, okay, that's that's crazy. Don't regress into that. No, but like I love him the way Jesus told us to love our neighbors and to love our enemies, and that is where the true transformation comes from. Is knowing that it's not that. Now I'm free from something. It's that it. I'm free from something that is going to help us. Like, oh, I don't even know how to write it. I'm, I'm free from something. So I'm. It. That's yeah.
0: Love it. I wanted her just to share a bit of her story. Um, because if you have your Bibles uh, open, or you have eyes to look at the screen, First Peter two four. You guys, rocking your eyes today. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. The phrase that would be uttered in Hebrew, which I'm not going to try to pronounce for you, when people would walk by a bunch of stones, they would go, what happened here? Peter Uses standing stone imagery and says, actually, Jesus, the living stone, the cornerstone, we, in light of what he has done, are to be living stones. When, we, when people come across us, when people walk by, they go, what happened? Here? Oh, gosh, what happened here? No, they go, what happened here? Like, what on earth is going on in your heart? What on earth is happening inside of you? They don't come to a pile of rocks of a monument of a God who did something then. They show up and see a God who is doing something now. Can you guys give it up for Sarah? You can sit The next passage that we opened our time with that we're going to close with is 1 Peter 3, 8 that Adam read. And this is where your duct tape comes in. Finally, all of you, this is the same letter that the writer just said about living stones. Be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing for whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil practice and their lips from deceitful speech practice they in turn from evil and do good they must seek peace and pursue it practice for the eyes of the lord are on the righteous righteous action practices and his ear his ears are attentive to their prayer but the face of the lord is against those who do evil who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good but even if you should suffer for what's right, you're blessed. Do not fear their threats. We want to talk about practices. This first church was being blamed for burning Rome in this section. We have like all sorts of crazy things are being led to their death. Or being, it's just one of the worst things, and they're practicing the way of Jesus through this. Revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you, to give the reason for the hope that you have. And do this with gentleness and respect keeping a clear conscience so that you may, speak, you may not speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ. With gentleness and respect, give a reason for the hope that you have within you. That's predicated on what? If someone said, hey, be prepared to give an answer, to give a reason for the hope that you have inside of you to the crazy stuff that God's doing in your heart, what is that predicated on? Someone's asking you. Someone's literally going, What happened here? Like, what's happening? If we were in an environment, and I'm convinced of this for most of our church, and this will be helpful, especially for those of you who are brand new to all this church stuff, If we were in an environment in a church where I felt so many of you, myself included, we were going around talking about Jesus, just sharing all this stuff that wasn't really going on in our heart, being obnoxious, not doing things with gentleness and respect, not loving our enemy well, not being kind and compassionate and gracious. If I felt like we were that kind of church, here's what I would tell you to do. Take the duct tape and put it on your mouth and just shut up. People should be asking you. Like the reason, you have a hope inside of you, right? You're smoking what you're selling. Like God is so alive in you. You're practicing the way of Jesus. And in that, you are like growing in maturity, even if half your views are still borderline heretical, if God's really worked in your heart, he will use you to share your faith and love people, but let people ask. So if we were that kind of church that I felt we're going around being obnoxious evangelists that actually wasn't lining up with what was in our, our heart, I would tell you to put the duct tape on your mouth and let's just like live good lives amongst those who are broken, loving them well. All right, and I could end the sermon there, amen. And that would be awesome because we should do that and I'm not taking anything away from that, but we are not that community. I think that for a lot of us, we're scared out of our mind because there are social issues like, that are like, really complicated. I think we're scared because we're in an environment or we're like, uh, you know, certain college institutions where to be a Christian, like, it, it feels like you're sort of like coming out of the closet to use that language. Like, it's scary, it's frightening, it feels really like harsh. Maybe you'd feel like some of your political views don't quite line up, or maybe they do line up and then you can't be a Christian and have those political views. I don't know, whatever the fear is, but at the end of the day, that fear gets so overcome, like instantaneously, if we are actually like coming alive in Christ. It becomes less awkward. It's not even a thing. I say this all the time. Providence preaches constantly. People are always sharing on social media as we walk around the things that they care about and the things that they love. Good design, good art, health care, this. Like, I know people who get into fights over anything that's, like, the latest controversy. They have a view on it. They have 18 angsty points, and they want to talk about it. Right? Any of you have friends like that? Any of you are that? Man, as followers of Jesus, we're we're simply, like, being more and more, like, awakened to the God who is in us. The more and more we like fast and serve the poor and care for people and read the scriptures and oh my gosh, you realize God does that and we're inspired to create new futures and to imagine things and to whatever it is. Like people are coming up to us, yeah, hopefully going like, oh my gosh, that's the hope you have within you. We need to not only be prepared to answer, we need to be people prepared to go and share. I am not interested in getting a bunch of people to show up in our church. Like look around, we're doing okay. We got like critical mass. I don't care. This is. Please don't like misunderstand this. I literally think this is an issue of like life and death. I think this is an issue of like walking the way we are called to live and not. Man, I get fired up, and I want to be the kind of person who's like Jesus, where I look out on my city and I want to weep, not because I'm so good and they're so bad. No, because man, we're both pretty broken, and I found something that is changing everything about me. I don't know what your story is. I don't know how God God's worked through your life in that way, but I bet. That Sarah being able to forgive and to communicate love in that kind of way has opened the heart of that person in a way. I guarantee it, even if she didn't see the repercussions right away. Living stones. Might we be living stones? Might we be people who don't enter into some like delayed adolescence when it comes to our faith? I had to share all this. I, I know, like, We're going to be here till like 2 o'clock because half of you are going to get baptized. But man, when the culture of our hearts, when the culture of our heart is transformed by God, it will affect the culture of our community. People will ask, oh my what is going on over there? And we will have a reason for the hope. In fact, we will be excitable and being ready to share the reason for the hope that we have inside of us. So I want to invite the, the, the band up. And uh, if you are here and you are a follower of Jesus, um, will you do something for me? Will you take just, you probably don't even need more than 10 seconds. Just take 10 seconds and think about someone who you, just, you need to pray for. Or someone that you, you know like, has like, shared, like, you, that you want and need to share the love of God with. Someone who maybe you need to invite to, I don't know, Q or invite to church or just actually engage on a deeper level. Uh, in light of this whole Q thing, a few friends of mine, I've, uh, to use the, continue to use the outing language, I've outed uh, three friends of mine as Christians around this one buddy that we all know who didn't know that we were all Christians. And he's like, yeah, you guys all seemed really cool. I didn't think to connect the dots that you guys follow like some weird religion that was his response exactly. He's like, yeah, man. He's like, "Whoa, and he's a Christian?" And he's a, and it was like, "Ah, oh, dude, we just can you talk to me about that?" It was the most normal thing imaginable to just share. Yeah, yeah, this is what I believe about the world, this is what I believe about life, about love, about the state of the human heart. It's what I believe about the greater story. And this all like all happened is as a few of us began to ask this exact question, this little group of us, was who are the people? And immediately this one person came to mind. Would you just like think about that person? I'm going to give you just five seconds of silence. Like who is that person? Maybe they're sitting next to you awkwardly. If they're not sitting next to you, can you do me a favor? Just on three. You don't have to like shout it out or anything. Just say their name. Just say their name like out loud. One, two, three. I love it. Let's pray for them. Let's pray for them today. Two, um, you might be here and um, that whole conversation about how we as Christians need to smoke what we're selling, need to actually practice the way of Jesus, need to begin to live into this new nature that God has given us by his grace. And you're like, I would be potentially interested in following that Jesus. I'd actually like to trust that God's that, that that I'm loved exactly where I'm at. I would love to trust that there's a real God there who's calling me to turn back to Him, so that I might have life and life to the full. Uh, if you're one of those people here today, and you're like, Yeah, yeah, um, I'm gonna pray for you, and then I want to invite you to just come and be baptized. We've got plenty of towels. Um, That might feel a little overwhelming, so I'll let a few of them go by, and then you can just come up to the front row, and Adam and I will just be there to talk with you and pray with you real quick. Maybe just today, baptism is like, oh my gosh, how about I just do the first little step and just say yes? Uh, I want to invite you um, just to say yes. Just to say yes. Let me pray for us. Lord, might we uh, as Christians... Um, Be living stones. Might people ask, like, what on earth is going on there? What happened there? Might we be people who are living into the way, your way, trusting that you alone, Lord, the cornerstone of our faith that everything is built off of, that we might be pointing people back to you, the source of all goodness and love and life and beauty and truth in this world. Lord, show us the particular places. The particular thing, the particular practice we need to embody. The particular rhythm. Just one thing this week. Think of all those who are in home groups who who had this exact same call. The one place where they need to practice in faith. That one thing this week. What is that one thing that they might become more and more alive in you? We might become living stones. Lord, I pray for those names that were mentioned just now that were uttered out loud into this room. I pray for every single one of them, Lord. We uh, know that in your word, you desire everyone to come to know you, that you are patient in wanting people to come to understand and experience your love, Lord, to be saved, to be rescued, to be set free, to live and walk in the spirit. Those people, Lord, we pray that that would happen. Lord, we pray that those people would come to know you. We pray that whatever barriers are there would get out of the way. We pray that if you want some of those folks who are here today who said those names, if you want to give them insight, wisdom, passion, I don't know, give them just just enough adrenaline to have that awkward conversation that they think is going to be awkward, but it's not. Lord, will you just, just do your thing? May your will be done there. May your will be done there. And for those who want to say yes, why wait? Why would you wait? You don't have to have it all figured out. Who want to connect what's happening in their heart um, uh, to to their head. We can do that later. (laughs) Lord, but there's something stirring in their heart in this moment and they just want to say yes to Jesus. I pray that they would literally out loud just say yes. Just say yes. Just say yes. say yes. Thank you, God, for this space. And as we come to a moment of baptism as we proclaim new life, and as we sing our way out of here today. God, I just, I just, I pray you'd just do a mighty thing in our church this morning on this dead average fall, New England, New England Sunday morning, that we would not leave here the same people that we came in. In your name we pray.